This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earnin today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 236 with Dana Kurtz. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned and any discount codes from our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 236. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hey, Shameless Moms. I'm so excited to be here today with Dana Kurtz. She was such a phenomenal interviewee. This is a great conversation. And I'm going to introduce you to her in just a minute. But first, I wanted to remind you that I have set up and opened our official free private Facebook group just for shameless moms. So I mentioned this a couple months ago. I was going to do this little membership community. It was going to cost a few dollars a month for everyone. And then I just decided, no, we're just doing it for free. Everyone's in because I want everyone to be there regardless of resources, to be able to have conversations, build connections, build community and be able to be a little more shameless every damn day. So guess what the group is called? Shameless mom, hashtag every damn day. So if you go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook, that will take you right over to that private Facebook group. Again, it's a free group. I'm popping in there. I'm doing Facebook lives in there. I'm doing a little extra content here and there. I'm doing a little spot coaching here and there. We're having conversations about all the episodes. So it's a great place for you to dig a little deeper on the content that's being shared here on the podcast episodes and do it in a private forum where you can, you know, be a little more shameless in your conversation. So again, go over to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook to join that private group today. 
And now let me tell you about Dana. So Dana Kurtz is a leading authority on the subject of women transitioning to motherhood. And she serves on as the director of the Anna Keefe Women's Center at the Training Institute for Mental Health in Manhattan. She's a writer, a licensed social worker, and a certified personal trainer. Dana is the author of The Female Body Fix and a contributor to the doctor's book of natural remedies. She also serves as Real Answers expert on thebump.com. She has written or been consulted on articles for the Huffington Post, the Today Show, Pregnancy and Newborn, Pop Sugar, Big City Moms, Pregnancy Corner, Women's Running, and numerous other outlets. She gets around. A sought-after speaker, Dana regularly presents on the subject of mother care. She lives in New York City with her family. Dana and I immediately hit it off in this conversation, and I could not be more excited to share her brilliance with her. I honestly left this conversation feeling like I have a new best friend who I'm going to totally look up the next time I'm in New York. So I can't wait to share her with you. Listen in to hear Dana share her confidence in mothering prenatal versus the reality of mothering postnatal how to thrive rather than just survive in the drama and trauma of the first year of motherhood, the importance of using exercise as a healing modality, not just a calorie burner, other healing modalities during postpartum recovery that can help you, and her powerful philosophy around mother care, the idea that the universal right of every woman to have safe, cost-effective, reliable, evidence-based tools to make motherhood more joyful and enhance her experiences in mothering are crucial. So like I said, this conversation was amazing. I'm so excited to share Dana with you. So let's go ahead and dig right in. Here's Dana. Dana Kurtz, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm so excited to have you here today and to be here to talk about everything you have going on. And I have to start out by sharing with our listeners our commonalities of both having worked in social work and as personal trainers in the fitness industry. Yes. We're very special up. people. <laughs> <laughs> Takes one to know one, as they say. Yes, yes. But I did make the connection that I think that that evolution, then to go from that into working with mothers, is our chronic desire to serve. <laughs> at the risk yeah. of sounding so self-righteous, like we just want to serve. <laughs> Well, I don't think it sounds self-righteous at all because I think service feels good all the way around, right? Yes, Both yes. to the recipient and for the individual who's giving. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yes. And it's fun to find people that have those common, unusual backgrounds because you feel like, oh, there's someone who understands my journey and can relate to it, which is really nice. Yes. Yeah, I feel the same way. So tell us a little more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Sure. So as you very graciously mentioned, I am both a social worker and a certified pre and postnatal fitness trainer. And when I had my son, which is now about eight years ago, I was really blindsided by how overwhelming the transition into motherhood was. And it came, I think, as a particular surprise to me because I naively believed that I was well positioned to be a successful mom. I had an abundance of resources at my disposal. I was very privileged. And even with a supportive partner and everything that I had access to, family help. It was really challenging for me. And so those challenges and the way I maneuvered or perhaps 
more aptly didn't (laughs) maneuver (laughs) through them, informed where I am today, which is in a place of dedicating my professional work to enabling mothers to better care for themselves in a holistic way. And I feel a great privilege to be able to do it. I love what you said about your confidence in your prenatal situation versus the reality (laughs) postnatal. And Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think probably most moms have a bit of a sense of like, oh my gosh, I don't know what this is going to be like. And this is a little scary, but also coming from a background, you know, where you have been in working in social work and you have been even your background in personal training. And it's like when you were in these positions of being of service and being ready to like be patient with others and give to others and help others develop skills and those kinds of things, like those are all perfect fits for mothering, right? And so I thought, yeah, (laughs) and I felt the same way. When I worked in my psychiatric hospital job, I worked with little kids. So I was like, I got this. Like I know behavior modification inside and out. And (laughs) I had been in elementary education program for three years in my undergrad. So I was like, I'm basically a teacher without the certification. Like how could mothering be hard? And oh my gosh, it like knocked me to my knees. So I completely relate to this idea of like, I have the right credentials or the right pieces of knowledge and experience to make me really great in this role. And then you get in the role and you're like, holy cow, not feeling so great. Exactly. Yes. That was very much my experience as well. And it was quite humbling Mm -hmm. and also a shock to the system. Yeah. And I think even for women who, you know, are may work in various other disciplines, you know, there's a kind of a societal suggestion, a sort of, you know, tacit suggestion that maternal instinct and mother's intuition are really all that we need to move gracefully into motherhood. And that's a fallacy, I I think. Yeah. You know, those things can help inform how we care for our babies, but they do not equip us to care for ourselves as we become mothers. And that is something I think that the idea of caring for ourselves as we adopt a maternal identity is a conversation that needs to be happening more and isn't happening enough. Right, right. One of the things that was really shocking to me, and I'm curious if you had this experience, this might just be special to my own situation, (laughs) but I was shocked. My son was, he's five and a half now, but he was a challenging baby, a challenging infant. And it all started getting better at about 18 months old as he was able to start communicating. But I remember so many times wanting him to recognize how hard I was trying. (laughs) Like I would be trying so many things and so hard and he would still be so upset and so angry. And at a certain point I would be like, dude, don't you see, like, I'm giving you everything I've got. (laughs) How can you not acknowledge that? Which it sounds so funny to say out loud, but I had these moments of like, throw me a bone kid. (laughs) Right. You were falling into the mother martyr trap as I like to call it, where you just keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and eventually there's not much left to give. Right, right. And that can have really uh, dire consequences for everyone involved yes, in that yeah, scenario, yeah. Um, which is part of why it's so important to you know nourish ourselves as well as our babies. But that experience, Sarah, resonates with mine also. And 
actually reminds me of a moment when my son was, who was also, you know, challenging. He wasn't especially interested in sleeping and (laughs) had his own agenda much of the time. But he was five weeks old. And I mean, I hadn't slept. I was trying to figure out, you know, the breastfeeding thing, which did not come easy for me. That was a mess for me as well. Oh, it's a mess for so many of us. Mm -hmm. And the pressure to do it is so intense. So I was really, you know, failing and flailing. And I remember being up in bed with him. It was like 2.30 in the morning. And I was sitting up in bed and had him facing me. And I must have had the most desperate look on my face because that was the first time he smiled. (gasps) At me. Oh my gosh. I mean, it might have been gas, but I'm choosing, <laughs> I'm choosing to think that it was a smile. And it really felt like that was the bone, you yeah. know? And I was desperate for it. And so I'm with you. I remember that feeling of just, gosh, can you give me something? Because I'm running out of reserve here. Yes, yes. I remember there was a cycle that repeated in a very irregular pattern that every time we would go through like multiple days that felt really, really hard, I would get to this point where I would think like, if we have another day like this, I can't, I cannot do this day again. And when I would get to that point, the next day would always be like, there would be one, and it would literally be like exactly what you just described. Like he would smile or the first giggle, or there'd be one tiny split second thing where I'd be like, okay, now we can keep going. (laughs) But, and that seemed to happen again. It was unpredictable. So I didn't know, like I would get the one giggle and then not know how long that needed to sustain me for. But there was that, like you would get this little break. There was this little crack and you're like, okay, like we can continue for at least today. Right, right. And I think uh, my hope, I guess, is my hope is for mothers to be able, you know, not only to have to sustain themselves in between the giggles and the smiles as they come, but to be able to enjoy the in-betweens a little bit more, you know, to not have to suffer through them as many of us do, particularly in, you know, in those early weeks and months where we're exhausted and our hormones are recalibrating and we're, you know, wrestling with nursing and all of that stuff. I think there is a way that that can happen. I think there is a way to make it less hard while you're getting, you know, in between those bones being thrown to you. Right. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over one million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy shedder, or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have 
found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing. And they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So tell me your experience of coming out of some of that? And what did that look like? And how did it happen? Because I'm guessing this maybe was the inspiration for you to support other mothers in this. Yes. So I suffered for a couple of years, if I'm being honest, it took me that long to kind of feel better emotionally and physically. And I think really, you know, that the move towards health and healing happened by virtue of, you know, time passing and my son getting older and becoming, you know, more independent in certain ways. And I think as I came out of that sort of time of challenge and had a little distance and a little perspective, I started to, well, a couple of things happened. I started to become angry that it wasn't more joyful for me. Yes, I had that. 
that kind of resentment, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you see other people around you with really easy babies that nurse really nicely and they're just like, oh, it's so sweet. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, right. where is the sweet part? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Can you point it out to me? Because I'm missing <laughs> yeah. it in my own, you know, dyadic experience with my baby. Yes. And so I felt a sense of resentment and anger that I had missed out on something that it seemed like some other mothers had. And so I started to, when I went back to my psychotherapy practice and started working, you know, only with new and expectant moms, I felt like I was providing, you know, some level of help, but it was limited. Talk therapy was limited. So I began to theorize about what else might be helpful. And as you know very well, Sarah, the, the research on exercise and mood enhancement is very well documented. So I went back to school and got a certificate in exercise science and became a certified trainer and offered that as a healing modality. And that was the catalyst for what became a really sort of a yearning to discover what other practices, what other healing techniques existed for women at that particular transition in their lives. And lo and behold, as I started to dive into, you know, the, the studies, I found that there was a robust body of work that had been done on healing methods like acupressure and art therapy and meditation that were effective specifically for women in the postpartum period. And I wanted to know about all of them <laughs> so that I could disseminate that information initially to my clients, to friends, and eventually to, you know, as many women as I could, because the more I learned about it, the more I felt adamant that this information had to be made available to every mom. Yes. So that she could pick and choose what worked for her. I love that. And I want to just highlight that you acknowledged exercise as a healing modality, because I think that women have been trained and it's been culturally ingrained in them to use exercise as either punishment or as like a means to an end that is only connected to burning calories and looking a certain way. And I 100% agree that exercise is a healing modality first and foremost way beyond and, and as a much higher priority than something that burns calories, something that gives me a six pack, something that makes my arms and legs stop jiggling, all those kinds of things. And I don't think that's recognized. And I really appreciate that really specific and thoughtful wording because that's what it was for me postpartum, even though it was so different prior to having a baby. My years of exercise were all about being competitive and going harder every time and always making it about something really intense. And it really had to become about healing after my son was born. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you for reflecting all of that back. Yes, I agree with everything you said. And we must change the dialogue around what exercise means for women in general and yeah. especially for mothers. Interesting that you came to it from a, you know, a place of being competitive. And I assume you were an athlete growing up. Not that growing up. I was not. I call myself a macaroni and cheese kid growing up <laughs> who hated PE class. And I joke that one of the best days of my life was when I broke my thumb in PE class and got to sit out for six weeks. So I did not grow up athletic. But once I found athleticism as an adult, it really changed my life and shaped my life in 
very new dynamic ways that I never thought possible in terms of just feeling strong and powerful physically and emotionally. So I had used exercise and intense exercise, like doing either intense stuff. A lot of it had to do with like distance running and triathlon. So that was a lot of my intensity, but I'm just an intense person. So I'm not like generally a gentle yoga kind of workouter person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But once Mm -hmm. I had my son, I had so many random health complications after he was born that I wasn't able to do things with intensity. And it really had to be more about taking 15 minutes to move in the morning so that I could survive and feel patient all day and feel capable all day because it wasn't the exercise I used to do at all because I had so many health issues going on, but I still needed to do something that allowed me to just like inhale and exhale at a consistent pace and not take care of anyone else during that time. That's so interesting. I was also a macaroni and cheese <laughs> kid. In fact, I grew up slightly overweight and me was... too. Yeah. <laughs> We're twins. twins. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the listeners, we have never met. No. (laughs) So yeah, I was routinely the last person picked for gym class. I also hated it. And I did not discover exercise as a pleasure until after my son was born. I didn't run my first marathon until after my son was born. And part of the gift of becoming a mother for me was reframing how I thought about exercise, that is to say, as a healing art, a healing science, as opposed to a, you know, a a way to torture ourselves, as you suggested earlier. And when I suggest exercise as a form of healing and health maintenance to moms, I actually refer to it as something I call flexercise, which is to incorporate activities that are enjoyable, that can be done around your schedule during the day, during the night, that bolster your self-esteem and self-efficacy and make you feel good about yourself, not bad about yourself. Also, I try and encourage moms to give themselves credit for whatever they manage in a given day. So that may be simply taking the stairs instead of an escalator into an office building, let's say. And that's what they did that day. You know, they chose the stairs instead of the escalator. Brava, you know, way to go. Give yourself credit for that. Definitely. That's critically important, I think, rather than choosing to beat oneself up because one didn't do as much as, you know, she might have wanted to or, you know, what she was able to do before her baby was born. Right, right. So tell us about, I wanted to single out exercise because I love the way you explained it, but I also really appreciate the other healing modalities that you mentioned in terms of art therapy and other methods. Can you talk into that a little bit more and then talk about how you came to initiate this mother care movement? I'm assuming Mm. they're connected. (laughs) Yes. So... Yes. So I talk about in Mother Matters in the book, I wrote a wide array of evidence-based supports like exercise, like art therapy, very intentionally so that women can, you know, pick and choose what they feel works for them, what resonates with them and leave the rest because, you know, one size never really fits all. Art therapy is, I think, a fascinating 
technique for healing and feeling well in the postpartum period for a number of reasons. And I should explain a little bit about it before I talk about the benefit. Art therapy is not about making art for art's sake. It's Mm -hmm. not about making a piece to hang in a museum or to be sold or, you know, to hang up and beautify a wall. It's about the process of creating for healing and feeling well. And there are a number of activities that I illustrate in the book that can be done by anyone. Uh, This is not meant for artists, per se, but activities that can be done with particular intention. For example, there are art therapy exercises that have been demonstrated to enable mother-infant bonding. One of the beautiful things about art is that we don't need language to connect over it, right? right? So if you think about the fact that a baby is pre-verbal, right, doesn't have the language yet, but baby and mother can share in the collaborative experience of using, you know, yogurt-based finger paint, And, you know, being on the floor together and creating something or a mother can, you know, I talk about collage making a mom can, you know, take five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever time she has and sit down and make a collage. And the beauty in that, well, there are a number of beauties in that one of them is that you know, in motherhood, we so rarely feel a sense of control right. over the situation. We often feel out of control, right? There's yes, schedule, as evidenced you know, by all of our earlier comments. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Right. So we don't have to illustrate that further. And so, <laughs> but we could. <laughs> we could. We could. We have a whole show on that. But choosing to make a collage, for example, the placement of an image, the color choice whether or not to include words with the images. All of these choices allow for a sense of control, allow a mother to sit in the proverbial director's chair, and it may be her only opportunity to do so all day, all week, right? And that is empowering, Yes. She has an opportunity to put the piece away, come back and reflect on it. So that's an incredible resource for a new mom. Yes. I'll share my quick experience with vision boarding with some of my gym members a couple of years ago. And it was the first time I'd done anything like that since my son had been born. And my members were very, like, I gave them an hour and a half and we all had the same timeline. And I I couldn't finish it. Like I was so into it and it felt so cathartic to me because it wasn't in my life. And a lot of them were like, well, we're done now. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, I need at least 30 more minutes. (laughs) I mean, it felt so good. And it was like, it didn't need to be anything special or pretty or anything I was going to like show off anywhere in the world. But it just to like sit down and pick things that made me feel certain ways and have it not be about my kid. (laughs) It felt really, really good. I love that. 
I love that. Did you ever get that time to go back and finish it? So I stayed late that night at the gym (laughs) and I finished it it there. And I actually was, so, and then I came home and I put it up in my office and I was just revisiting it the other day. Like I look at it from time to time, but I was looking at it more clearly and carefully a couple days ago. And I was like, wow, it's really interesting that the connections that have been made based on what I chose to put up there in the last couple of years. Um, And I was like, okay, it's time to do this again. So (laughs) I'm going to do it again soon. (laughs) Yes, please do. Please do. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So how did that all initiate or send you into the mother care movement? And what specifically is mother care? So mother care is a term that I've coined to describe the right. And I do believe it is a right of every woman to have access to safe, cost-effective, reliable, evidence-based tools that she can use to make motherhood more joyful and to enhance her experience of mothering. And as I was researching the tools that we've talked about and some others we haven't yet touched on, I began to feel like there was a movement here that there was a movement towards the promotion of universal care for every mother. Mm. And it is a movement. It has, you know, it has to be a movement. And until we as a society value and prioritize the work that mothers do and the care that they are entitled to, we need to take matters into our own hands. You know, we have to have a grassroots mother care movement that starts, I think, from one individual to the next and hopefully, you know, broadens and eventually becomes a mandate that our culture shifts to tend to our mothers. Yes, I love that. I was frantically typing out that definition as you <laughs> said it because I want to make sure to include it in the show notes so people can go back and reference it. But oh, I love that. And I think it makes so much sense. And I really love the idea of it being a universal right. And it's not just for moms who can afford to go to yoga class or who can afford to go to a therapist for that matter. Or, you know, it, really, right. it really needs to be accessible to everyone. Yes. I mean, can you imagine? So this is one of my dreams, Sarah. Can you imagine if there was a federally subsidized healthcare practitioner who came to the home of every woman who had had a baby, which incidentally is the case in some other countries. I was just going to say, <laughs> yes, this exists. It's not like a novel idea. Right. And not only this next part is more novel, not only checked on the status of the baby's health, but also checked on the status of the mother's health. If everybody, you know, if it became a matter of course, if every mother received this kind of attentiveness, then the stigma that exists for mothers who are suffering, you know, who may be having postpartum depression or a perinatal mental health issue, that would all but evaporate. Right. Because if everybody is entitled to this care, it suggests that the transition merits care. 
Right, right. Right? You know, that's the point that I want to underscore and get people thinking about. Becoming a mother for the joy and the privilege, and it is both those things, is also incredibly overwhelming. And it necessitates attention and care. Mm, Yes, yes. I had a conversation with in a past interview with Amy Moses, who's she specializes in women's health and pelvic floor dysfunction. And Mm. she was talking about I think it maybe is in France, but in a European country where every mom gets pelvic floor physical therapy as part of their like postpartum care. And I thought of that when you were talking to have someone who like, it's just a given where there would be a model that it's a given that moms are going to need like physical recovery support and mental health support. And that's just part of what everyone gets. And it's over the course of that first year that you have these like intermittent check-ins where those things are checked upon. Like, are you peeing your pants? You don't have to live with that for the rest of your life. Do you have like, you know, are you having problems with nursing? Maybe even six months later, it still is awful. Like, let's talk about that. Where's your mental health? Like the anxiety, postpartum depression, not often, but in many cases, it's not like it happens the week after the baby's born. That can be the case, but it can be a year later. So yeah, I totally (laughs) agree with how powerful that experience could be in terms of supporting mothers through that year and what that could look like. I mean, the trickle down impact of that would be so huge in terms of it would be better for the moms. Obviously, it would be better for babies. Obviously, moms would be more you know, effective and available in their professions if they had that kind of care and yes. they felt like they were being taken care of and supported. I mean, it would just be really huge. It would be really huge because when we choose mother care, everyone benefits. Right. Everyone benefits. Children benefits. Partners benefit. Everybody benefits. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes so much sense. I'm thinking now of like, it's just occurring to me, if men had a year where their body was like not their own because they were nursing (laughs) or because they were peeing their pants or whatever, like this model would already be in place because like men aren't just going to like hang out and be uncomfortable and not do anything about it. Like there'd be a huge, probably huge corporate model supporting all of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. But mothers would be, we are very trained to like, be the mommy martyr, suffer in silence, you know, do what we need to do and kind of brush it under the carpet as much as we need to, or just ignore it altogether and not acknowledge that like this all sucks. And this is really frustrating and overwhelming when I pee every time I stand up, but just to like not address it because there's not a place for it to be addressed and a place for that to be a priority. That's right. And of course, you know, that you've touched on the larger issue, which is that, you know, mother care is really about women's health care and women's health care is, you know, undervalued Mm -hmm. in in our country. Yes, because it's not run by women. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's run by old men who have have never nursed a baby or pushed anything out of their body. Correct. This episode is supported by Air Doctor. You probably don't know that Americans take in about 20,000 breaths per day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. The indoor air that we breathe can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. Indoor air pollutants can cause upper respiratory symptoms like sneezing, coughing, congestion, scratchy throat, 
and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. So what's the solution? Introducing Air Doctor, the air purifier that filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I am so excited that we just got our own Air Doctor for our house, and we will have it all up and running and ready to go in time for all the things that come with spring weather, but also smoke season, which is just around the corner for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. And I know many of you across the country. So here's how you can get your own Air Doctor. First of all, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS and you'll receive up to $300 off of air purifiers. Exclusive to our podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to airdoctorpro, A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS. That's airdoctorpro.com, code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Tell us about, before I get off on too much of a tangent in that direction, because I certainly could, what is Mother Matters? So tell us about your book, and then how can new and expectant mothers benefit from it? So Mother Matters is the mother care manual. It is a self-help guide that speaks to the tools that we spoke about earlier, acupressure, art therapy, talk therapy, meditation, a whole toolkit to allow a mom, to enable a mom really to care for herself. And everything that I include in the book, when I was selecting the resources, the supports, I wanted to make sure that they fit into certain criteria. And the criteria included things like being, you know, low to no cost, you know, being pretty easy to learn, being able to be done pretty much anywhere, having an option to employ a tool with or without one's baby. So it's a pretty comprehensive, but also easy to digest guide to making motherhood easier. 
I love it. And I really want anyone who identifies with the drama and trauma that we've addressed so far, I definitely want them to go get this as a resource because this is like the next best thing to having a healthcare system that supports this is to have, like you said, a manual that's consumable, digestible, actionable, that where you can feel like you have some power. And I think that was so important. Thank you. I want you talk about failure to thrive as a condition that impacts mothers as much mm-hmm. as it does children. And I think that when we think of failure to support so prior to me having a child, I thought of failure to thrive as like something that impacted mothers who had very little in terms of financial resources, because mm-hmm. I just automatically thought of like babies that can't maintain their weight. And this was, had been my experience with like failure to thrive. So mothers, you know, with socioeconomic circumstances that made it really difficult to feed their babies and clothe babies and take care of them and have their basic needs met. But after my son was born and we had so many nursing issues, he was borderline failure to thrive at one point because Mm. he he wasn't gaining weight at all on the right curve. And he was actually falling off of all of the weight curves. And so that was like a new definition to me for failure to thrive. Cause I was like, wait, like we're not homeless. You know, I thought I was like, I don't understand how this is happening as someone who's like giving literally like my entire life for six months was about feeding this child. And so that was shocking to me when the doctor said like, he's borderline failure to thrive at this point and that something really needs to be done. And so then when I saw in your information that you talk about failure to thrive as a condition impacting mothers, automatically I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And I want you to share more about that and expand on that because I'm very eager to hear your perspective on it. Yes. Well, I'm sorry you had that experience, first of all, Sarah, because I can only imagine what it must have felt like to literally have been giving your son everything, have it not be enough, you know, being told by a doctor that, you know, it wasn't enough. That's a terrible feeling. Yes, it's very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. The same pediatrician yelled, and this is, we were getting like a second opinion. She was like, when I walked in this room and I saw that baby boy, I thought that child needs food. And I was like, do you understand you are talking to like the most emotionally vulnerable person in the world already? <laughs> right, right. I can laugh about it now, but in the moment it was rather traumatic. So. Well, it is. I mean, that is terribly traumatic because of course, you know, we're trying to gain support from these people who are in authority positions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So being yelled at is not helpful. But yeah, I speak of failure to thrive. And as you point out, it's typically a pediatric medical term for babies who are, you know, not meeting benchmarks of growth. But I use it in the book to refer to moms who are not aware of the need to or are not able to nourish themselves. Mm. And, you know, by nourishment, I mean, I do mean physical nourishment, you know, eating well, eating, you know, foods primarily that will enable physical healing in the postpartum period. And I identify some of those in the book, but also feeding oneself to meet psychological benchmarks of growth, to move into a maternal identity that feels exciting, that feels comfortable, not all of the time, but you know, much of the time that to move into a place where one feels like one is thriving, not failing. And 
if we aren't purposeful in attending to feeding ourselves, then, you know, we're not going to thrive. So that's when I say failure to thrive as it pertains to a mother, that's what I'm speaking about. That makes so much sense. And I think that I love that you've created a blueprint, (laughs) but I don't think enough of us are aware of kind of where to get started until we're in a place of desperation. Yeah. And so we're already in this failure to thrive situation. And then we have to figure out how to navigate our way out of it rather than being told at the beginning, here's where the challenges might be. Here's what you can do preventatively or to preempt some of them. And when you're in deep in that failure to thrive space as a mom, it's hard to dig your way out. And it's hard to understand even like what the tools are, how to access them. You're so in survival mode that you can't even have a consciousness around like, I just want to be thriving. You're like, I just want to like sleep for more than an hour straight, you know? So I love that you've essentially created a blueprint to prevent this so that this doesn't have to be every mother's situation and every mother's reality. Absolutely. I mean, I hope that this book can position women to be able to, you know, avoid some of those pitfalls because you're right, you know, when you're in it, when you feel like you are in that failure to thrive place, it is much harder, not impossible, Mm -hmm. but harder, more challenging to find the the food that you need. Right. If you could share a mother who might be listening to this and maybe could identify as like, oh my gosh, I'm in this right now. Like I am in this failure to thrive mode. Where's a good starting point? What are some first steps that moms can take that you recommend that are simple, attainable. I mean, aside from getting the book and starting to work through the Mother Matters book as kind of a workbook and guide, what are a couple mm-hmm. things they could start with just after they're done listening to this podcast? First of all, you're not alone. Yes. You know, if what Sarah is saying resonates with you and you feel like you are that mom, you are not alone. I promise you that. Others are feeling exactly as you do now. I promise you that too. And it will get better. And it will get better because you are going to ask for the help that you deserve. (laughs) So it may start by asking your partner, if you have a partner, by sitting him or her down and saying, I need some help here. This is what I need. And, you know, have a bullet list. You know, Mm -hmm. I need somebody to do the grocery shopping or do the laundry or I need you to find a social worker for me to talk to because I am not feeling like myself and I need to talk to somebody who is not you (laughs) uh, or or a family member. So the first thing I want you to do is ask for the help that you deserve. Yes. Shamelessly ask for help. Shamelessly. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's like not apologetic. Like, I'm really sorry, but could you maybe it needs to be like, this is what I need. Like, I think it can be firm because you are deserving of that. It doesn't need to be an apologetic, like, could you maybe take the garbage out? Would you mind if you could? (laughs) I'm so sorry to ask, but would you mind doing the dishes or cleaning the baby bottles? It can be a firm, like, could you please? I really appreciate it. It can still be kind, but it doesn't need to be an apologetic thing. It needs to be like an assertive, shameless statement. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Which is why I say the help you deserve. Yes. I noticed that you said that. I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
because it should be, you know, look, ideally, you shouldn't have to ask for it, right? right? We should anticipate that you're going to have, you know, needs and have the support system already in place for you. But often, we don't. So, you know, you have to issue a reminder, (laughs) a friendly reminder that you have a need for help, that you deserve the help. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we are going to wrap up here in just a minute. And before we do that, I want you to tell people where they can find you, connect with you, where they can get the book. Money Matters too. <laughs> that does too. That's, that does too. Mother matter. Matters. <laughs> where can people find you? Sure. So I am at my website at www.dana. That's D-A-Y-N-A-M, like Michelle, Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z, Dana M. Kurtz.com. You can find the book Mother Matters on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, direct from my publisher, Familius Press, on my website, and anywhere else fine books are sold. Nice. And I will have all that linked up in the show notes as well. So anyone who pops over to shamelessmom.com and you click on Dana's episode, you can, we'll get all those links as well. Okay. So before we wrap, I want to know in what ways are you a shameless mom? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I try and I don't always succeed, but I do try to practice what I preach I try to employ, you know, my mother care rituals as I move through my life as a mother, as a wife, as a friend, as a social worker, as a personal trainer. Because as I said before, when we choose mother care, it benefits everyone. I love that. And I love that you use the words try and practice because I think that's what it is. People say to me all the time, like, you're just so shameless. You're like confident in everything. I'm like, oh my God, no. Like half the time (laughs) when I do things, I'm like sweating and have diarrhea. But I just, because I want to live a shameless life, I want to live unapologetically. I make myself practice that. It's super uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes I don't push myself in the direction of my fear, the direction of my discomfort. There's definitely times when I back out of some of those things, but I try to consistently practice and try things that stretch me. And so I love that you use those words as well. I think that's really important. And some days it looks really awesome and amazing in terms of one is able to practice things that can be supportive. And other days it looks like a complete disaster. And that's just the best you've got that day. And that's okay. That's right. And it's all okay. And by the way, the former days, the days where you're really nailing it, those are the days when people choose to post pictures on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> yes, okay. yes. But let me just say, that does not tell the whole story. Right. Right. <laughs> I know. I try to be really conscientious of posting like if I'm posting a lot of like we were recently in Mexico and I was posting a lot of beach pictures and I was like, just so you know, like every 30 to 60 minutes, we have a meltdown over sunscreen. So just don't think it's all like sand and sunsets, friends. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's not all sands and sunsets. But if we can incorporate a couple of those, you know, sandy, sunsetty moments through mother care, 
then we've come a long way. Totally. Dana, this has been so amazing. And I appreciate so much of the work that you're doing. I just feel like we're such kindred spirits in the work that we're doing. And also just the intentional terminology that we use. I love like so much of what you said. I was like, yes, like that's how I choose my words as well. So I'm just really touched to have you here and grateful for everything that you shared with my listeners. And I know that we are going to have shameless moms who go out and grab Mother Matters, and it's going to be such a helpful, supportive resource for them. So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Sarah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, Thank you. And so next much. time when you write the next book, you got to come back. I that's, love that's it. always gonna, the deal. Like if you write I'm another book, you, you to that. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. It Perfect. would be an absolute pleasure. Thank Perfect. you. Thank you so much for spending time with Dana and me in the Shameless Mom Academy. I so appreciate you being here. I hope you learned something new. I hope you share this episode out. Other mamas need to hear this so that they can be a little more shameless every damn day. So take a screenshot of this episode and post it on social media. Share it in your Instagram stories. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook, and I will reply immediately, send you lots of love. And then also please rate and review the show. This is how I can connect with more shameless moms and really get more care and coaching and services and resources and tools to other shameless moms. So please do write a review for the show. That is how my ratings get increased so that I can reach more mamas. And you can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will drop you into Apple podcasts where you can leave a quick little review. And it really does make a difference. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate all your reviews. Also in the reviews, that's where I pick my shameless mom of the week. So if you want to be a shameless mom of the week, pop over there. Let me know how the show has made you a more shameless mom. And maybe you will get a little shout out on the episode next week. Lastly, please join me in continuing this conversation around this episode in our new free private Facebook group. Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, this group is open. We already have over 200 people in there. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. So go over to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to join our free Facebook community where we are getting a little more intimate, digging a little deeper and having a little more fun and being a little more shameless every damn day. Again, that's at shamelessmom.com slash Facebook. Again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here on Monday with a new episode. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.